you know, we'll just kiss each other for no, no specific reason. And people find it very strange that two older people do that. People in the street stop us. Have you guys just got married? <laughs> How can you not love this guy? He's hot. <laughs> He's the hottest grandfather in town. <laughs> Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate. A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. Everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Francesca and Stan Levine. Together, they are the only Australian couple trained to teach hot monogamy and the only Australians trained in encounter-centered couples therapy. Besides being accomplished clinicians in couples work, I would think their greatest accomplishment is being married for 55 years. Thank you so much for being on our show today, Dan and Francesca. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for inviting us. <laughs> so we, we definitely want to, uh, you know, cover your work and talk about, you know, what you have done with couples for so many years and also talk about, you know, the what you're trained in that no other Australian is trained in as well. But before we get into that, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about, about what brought you into the field to begin with? Um, well, that's it's a great question because before becoming a psychologist and psychotherapist, I had a career in import-export and in fashion and being a high school teacher. So how did I get into this? It was a car accident that knocked me out and I was probably depressed seriously for a year and learned a lot about depression and went back to university and did my postgraduate psych because I already had a bachelor's and um, decided to do what I really had always wanted to do. And that's how I got back into it, literally by accident. <laughs> so... Um, a book that I'm wanting to write is called Shit Into Gold. Pardon, well, you might bleep that out, but that's what it's going to be called. And it's essentially there's something good in everything, you know. The cloud has this, every cloud has a silver lining, and um, I think that accident was probably meant to happen. Otherwise, I'd still be importing and exporting, and you know, I, I was the first person to get a sale in America of Australian goods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other fantastic story. Um, but yeah, so that's how I got into it by accident and how Stan got into it. I'll just start and he'll tell you the rest. Um, do you know of Harvel and Harvel Hendricks? And yeah. Hel okay. Oh, Margot Therapy, right? Yes. Yeah. So 
I had um, trained long distance with Harvel for some years because I saw him on Oprah and loved him immediately. Mm-hmm. And then he came to, no, no, he didn't come, a trainer came to Australia, but in order to do the training in, on the other West Coast, um, we had to do a couple's workshop. So we did. And at the workshop, at one of the breaks, I said to the person running the workshop, I said, I have a problem with this. I don't want to go to Perth three times a year without Stan. And she said, well, he can come. I said, oh, cool. So without asking any further questions, I raced into the tea room and I said, darling, guess what? You're coming to Perth. And he looks at me shocked (laughs) because, you know, it's not unusual for me to come in with some wild idea. And and he said, why? And I said, oh, good question. (laughs) Well, what what happened was I was about to retire. I was a lawyer um, and I was about to retire. And because of this workshop, I was the other half of the couple and Fran had to do the workshop. So I said I'd do it with her. When she told me about this thing in Perth, uh, which is, you know, 4,000 kilometres away from where we live, I said, well, what the hell am I going to do there? She said, well, the lady said you can do the course as well. I said, well, what would I do the course? It didn't make any sense to me. Anyway, uh, I agreed to do it and we went and I just fell in love with it the very first day of the training. And I felt just it was a natural for me. And so I decided forget retiring (laughs) <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And that was it. That was, what, about 18 years ago. Yeah, so he's a natural. I started forever. He walks in, bang. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had no preconceived ideas, and that, that, helps. that, that helps. So, that's, so. How, that's how we got to working together. Mm. Can you guys tell us the story of how you met? Oh, sure. yeah. It was a blind date. We met on a blind date. It's the only one I've ever been on because... I had recently broken up a three-month engagement. You know, I think 18 is a little young to get engaged. And um, so I agreed to go on a blind date. And for me, it was love at first sight. That's it. I made up my mind within a minute. Okay, that's him. Done. <laughs> I was already planning my dress, you know, the whole deal. <laughs> it's a bit slower, as you probably gathered by now. Um, so... I've changed that word slow to thorough, but I used to say slow. <laughs> well, I was slow. I mean, I, I did fall in love straight away, particularly with her eyes. She's got incredible eyes. And that was what hit me when I first saw her. And I'd been on a number of blind dates because I'd recently come back from two years travelling overseas and most of my friends were sort of either engaged or in relationships. So... Uh, when I saw her, that was it. But I was very slow, as she says. And it took me a long time. A year. Before, over a year before I would felt I could commit. Anyway, I did, and that was it. And how old were you guys back then, and what was it about your partner that you fell in love with? She was I fun. <laughs> lots and lots of fun. And really, that's it's so important in any relationship. <laughs> Um, well, he says he loved my eyes. I loved his voice. I loved his overall impression. Um, when my mother first met him, she loved him because he said, you better take a coat, it's cold. 
<laughs> so as far as she was concerned, he was a keeper. Um, he he was just and still is so handsome. Uh, he 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 ticked all the boxes. He could cook. I couldn't and wouldn't, um, and I still rarely do. <laughs> and he loves cooking. He's the most superb dancer. I could never be with someone who doesn't dance, just not on. And super intelligent. So it took me about half an hour to find out why I was in love with him. <laughs> I'm quick. <laughs> um, I made one mistake. I said, do you mind if I smoke? And he said, yes. And I thought, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> so we went out. I had nine cups of coffee. Okay. <laughs> But I found him fascinating because he had travelled overseas. I had never left Victoria since coming as a migrant. And um, I was just fascinated, you know. So he's intelligent, handsome, cooks, dances. What more could he go want? And he was tall, dark and handsome. He's still maybe a little shorter, not dark, but he's still handsome. <laughs> and he's got all the qualities that he had before. And added, how can you not love this guy? <laughs> He's hot. <laughs> He's the hottest grandfather in town. <laughs> that's <All right>. <laughs> so that's how we met. <laughs> yeah, and what about for you, Sudan? Well, first of all, as I said, the first thing I noticed was her eyes. Um, and I still see them all the time. And I think one of the things that stayed with me is being able to really look at her face, focus on her. And I still do that. And I think a lot of couples don't. They sort of start to take each other for granted and don't really look at them, each other. Mm-hmm. You, you, um, you liked that I wasn't spoiled. That, yeah, she that was, meant that's a true. lot. She wasn't spoiled. She wasn't looking for... Um, What's the word? Someone rich. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't looking for someone rich, which was just as well because I wasn't. Um, and she was, she's just a natural and very spontaneous. And as I said, the big thing was fun. And she still is. I never know from one day to the next what she's going to come up with. I don't you know? either. <laughs> and it's been like that all the time. And so I've never been bored. You couldn't be bored with Fran, it's impossible. And you, how many children do you guys have? Two. One boy, one girl. And between them, they have five children. So we have five incredible grandchildren, nice. ranging in age from 14 to 22. And three, three grandpuppies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three grandpuppies. They always have became grandparents. Our granddaughter is two months old, almost yeah, three months we, old. Oh, first grandchild. That's yep. oh amazing. I, I'm so lucky. This is the best time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It definitely is. So at what point, how many years were you guys married before you went to that class with Harville Hendricks? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. Anyway, so Josh was 18. No, he's, yes, 18. So how many years were we married? 30? 33, I think. We've been married a long time. You know, we've noticed a lot of differences with couples that are younger that they can only get so much of this work. You really have to be in it and have a mature brain to really get into the depth of a lot of stuff, which is really fabulous. Would you agree with that? Or 
I would agree with it partly, but I think, and, and this is also about my brain and, and what I can do, I think to keep it simple, mm-hmm. like your website, seriously. Um, and that's connecting. The, the thing is also they pick up on our energy mm-hmm. and, and that helps, mm-hmm. right? So I think we've won them over before we, before open, we open our mouths our yeah. um, without effort. So, yes, it, it helps to have intelligent people, yes. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that couples kind of go through different stages, you know, of oh, development yeah. in their relationship. And oh, yeah. you know, those couples that have been together longer than 15 years, longer than 20 years, they seem to be in a, in a very different stage and have learned a lot more, you know, about commitment uh, than couples who are just brand new in their relationship. Sure. Well, because I think the challenges arise once you've been together for a while and it's how you deal with them. Some people, of course, don't deal with them and they split up. And those who stay put the effort in to learn what they can do and that strengthens the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's interesting that you guys weren't really seeking out help for your marriage. You were seeking out education so you could help others. What did you discover in that process? Um, Funnily enough, I discovered something, not so much, well, I discovered how good he was at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, we do work together, which helps. And I guess you guys do too, to have, you know, the male and female in the room. But I learned a lot about our children because we did some training videos and one in particular, you know, it's a parent-child dialogue where you are, you play the role, the energy of the parent, and the child says, you know, no. The question is, what is your deepest hurt with me? Okay. And I did this video with our son. He would have been how old? Um, how old was he? In his 20s anyway. I'm terrible yeah. with ages. I just make them up, so I'll just say I don't know. <laughs> And so I said to him, so what's your deepest hurt with me? And he said, you didn't talk to me. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, what? I said, oh, tell me more about that. And he did. You always talk to my sister, he says, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the thing is not to react and say, well, actually, (laughs) you didn't talk much either. So it was pretty hard to talk to you. So, you know. Like a boy, he just gave monosyllabic responses. So I didn't think he wanted to talk, but now he's talking. Oh, it's amazing. So I learned a lot about that. I learned about Stan, how flexible he is. You know, he had been a lawyer. He had run his own restaurant. He had run his own cake and cookie company. And now he's doing this. And I think flexibility is key. Right? You don't have flexibility, you're stuck and you might proverbially die. And he's very flexible. He has to be to live with me. <laughs> what? It's true. Well, he said a woman should be mysterious. <laughs> so, yeah, I did say that to her when we were going out. Yes. And well, originally, a long time. I filed it up here and said, okay. She's never let me forget it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I learned a lot about him and how much he loves to learn. Um, you know, I've done a lot of training and 
he's now doing training because I, I think our field is so rich and there's so many things, yeah, you would, you would know that. And I love the fact that he wanted to learn and just stepped into another role. Right? I don't know how he looks to you, but he's not young. <laughs> and, he, you know, his, his friends are either retired or dead. So, <laughs> and, and he's still in there and firing away and it's so easy to inspire him to another level. I'll just say, hey, how about? And he goes, okay. <laughs> you know, um, and he trusts me and, I, and that's a wonderful thing and I trust him. You know, so we don't have to explain a lot of things. So that all came up during the training as well, that he could do that, right? I, di I didn't ever think that we would work together, and there you go. We do. You know, one of the things that I find really powerful with um, Harville Hendricks' work is that the training, a, a lot of uh, people who do that, that kind of work and get trained in it, are couples. Yes. And, you know, we, we find that, being a married couple, kind of, you guys were talking a little bit about that, uh, is, is a powerful force for change just in being role models, right? Yes. Just being kind of uh, mentors in, in a way. And, yes. you know, there, there's the, the, uh, the theory of the, the couple personality, right? That a couple that comes together in a room, they create this third entity, which is the couple personality. And, you know, my, my dissertation, my doctoral dissertation was, was on conjoint therapy with a husband and a wife, right? Oh. And how it, it really kind of removes any gender bias that occurs in traditional marriage counseling, which is done by one therapist. Mm -hmm. And so we, we found that in addressing the couple personality as a couple ourselves, it, it, it's like almost, uh, you know, we've done half the work already. Mm. Yep, yep. It, it's very economical. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. That's very interesting because I'd never thought of that. No, no. And to I do mean, it... we, I'm aware of the effect and the impact we have, mm -hmm. but I wasn't aware of why, why that is so. I thought it was just, as Fran said, the energy between us, which other people join on to. You know, a, a fun way to find out is try doing it by yourself. Oh, we, we do. We do. We do. Yeah. We don't you can see the difference of what it's like when you have that, the, the four of you together, the two and the two versus mm -hmm. one and two. Yeah. And, and that's how we started working together because we started out as individual therapists working with couples and it's just, we so much prefer to work together you you can see so much more yes well you feed off each other as well and there's yep. four eyes two brains <laughs> it helps you know and part of it is you're holding the space of the mother and the father and part yep. of it is you're holding the space of what it looks like to be role modeled a healthy relationship yep yes mm -hmm. yes very i think that's really important what you just said that says a lot Mm -hmm. and why it's so important to do it together. So how would you describe Imago therapy and what are some of the things that you guys uh, notice of why couples come to see you and what are some of the patterns people really are struggling with today? Well, they struggle with everything, um, really. I think 
the biggest thing that I hear when people come in is we don't communicate properly or we don't communicate at all or we're very poor communicators or whatever, some, some version of that. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the biggest thing. And if you can get people to actually talk to each other and listen, which is the big thing about Imago, Imago yeah. then the dialogue, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. Mm. And people frequently say one to the other, I didn't know you thought that, or I didn't know this. that's what happens mm. when I say such and such, mm -hmm. because they never listen. They listen to themselves, you know, in order to respond quickly and defend, right? I think um, that's the biggest thing that, that I've learned I agree. from Imago. It's the listening. Um, it's also learning... I put it very simply to coming out of the crocodile brain into the frontal lobe because you've got to be present, you have to attend and get the words right. That in itself is quite magical, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other therapy, if you want to hear more about Encounter Centred, I, I think it's a it's a graduation from Imago personally. Not mm. yeah, it's it goes deeper and higher. If you guys can tell us a little bit about that, that would be great. Well, the Main thing for me about encounter centered, I think we're not allowed to call it therapy anymore, couples guidance, <laughs> is to get people to their essence and to connect essence to essence. It's a deep, deep connection. Right. And it's probably more spiritual, less of the mind. And it's more about reading each other. It's very often nonverbal. People sit together holding hands quite close. And and we teach them to learn about the landscape of their partner's face. Right? You can remember Stan loves doing that. <laughs> and you know, slight change in the mouth, the tone. Um, there's a little bit of other stuff that I've studied that I put in with it, but it's even, it's so simple. It's profound, it's deep. And there's exercises like crossing the bridge. When I smell you, what I smell is using when, the five senses. Or when I look at you, what I see is when I touch you, what comes up for me is. Right, and they're very short, that's it, and the rest, and the connection and the energy that comes up is wow. To, to watch people's faces when they do that is just staggering. Yeah, because they don't even look at each other most of the time. Like, really explore that face. Do you see another pimple? I don't say wrinkle because I won't go down too well. <laughs> but, then, you know, do you see another this or another that? Also, we both use a lot of humour. Right in in any therapy, if you want to call it, yeah. But stands right. The main thing in Imago is the communication exercise. It does wonders, and the two words zero negativity. Right, that in itself will transform a relationship. Are you trained in Imago? I don't, I don't want to be going. Yeah, parts of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So zero negativity is no shaming no blaming, no criticism, no sarcasm, don't make other wrong. That in itself will transform a relationship. And then there's the Gottman stuff about the Content. five one, yeah, and those four horsemen, yes. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, it, what is different between um, hot monogamy and encounter-centered therapy? On, well, hot monogamy focuses on the sexual side of the relationship. And it really is more, that comes out of um, Imago. The, the lady who, I don't call it designed, a hot monogamy, um, is Pat Love, Dr. Pat Love. Do you know her? No, no, we're not familiar with her. Oh, she's, she's a very tall, red-headed Texan Texas. lady. She's gorgeous. And she is absolutely wonderful. She's gorgeous. She's been to Australia two What's or three times. Difference? What's the difference? But the difference between hot monogamy, I can't say the difference between hot monogamy, it's, it's really focusing just on the sexual side of the relationship, mm. which we specialise in, or I do particularly, Fran doesn't do that much of it now, um, I do it in different ways. Yeah, she does because yeah, she's different. My wife's yeah, different. But there, there are exercises about couples' um, sexual desire discrepancy, the, the things you would come across anyway is just much more specific, whereas in encounter-centred, I tell you what happens. People do get sexy just from doing you know, and often I'll say, okay, go find a room, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they really see and feel each other. And it's not all about words. It's about energy and how they really connect essence to essence and how that helps me, you know. Sometimes I do get angry, upset, frustrated, withstand it's not always beautiful it often mm. is but there are times when it's not how I come back quite quickly is I remember his essence mm. he really is and he's a loving being with the biggest heart who can give the best hugs as soon as I remember that and it comes quite quickly I've forgotten what I was angry about <laughs> and I just want to hug and it's done and we move on you know or a while ago, we would have used a dialogue we don't. We might in the car in passing, but we don't really need it. We might mirror each other occasionally. And um, the thing with e e encounter couple sent is the bridge. So people sit together and it's about three invisible connectors. Yeah. The bridge is one. There's the space. And then there's the encounter, what happens when you cross the bridge. You don't meet halfway because right you get a bit jammed. So there are ways in which you go right into somebody else's world really deeply. Beautiful and, stuff. Yeah. And that's different from Imago. It goes, I think, deeper, but not everyone's ready to be able to do something so intimate it's really very intimate right and it's way less cognitive i find i usually don't get there until people have already been doing some imago work for some time yeah. because i don't they they just can't do it you know that yeah there's too many blocks in the way uh, absolutely and there needs to be a level of vulnerability you know safety oh. and vulnerability that's built before you can actually touch sexuality i would imagine that's for sure um, some, sometimes, so? sometimes, sometimes in the first session, 
It depends well, on the couple and how open they are. And for those that aren't, I agree, you have to wait. You know, Timing is everything, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. What would be a way that you could describe what the goal is of the work that you guys do? The goal? Mm-hmm. To help people realize the potential of their relationship because they got together because they want to be together, presumably initially, and they I think a lot of people lose sight of their goal and they it becomes almost functional. And as Fran said, I think before, if you want to have what you used to have, you've got to start doing what you used to do. And and they lose sight of that. And to me, the, the aim is to get them into that wonderful, loving space, but with more depth than they had it when they first started, and to learn how they can do that. Mm. You know, as you would know, uh, the tools are there for life. They're not just a temporary fix. Yeah, absolutely, you know. A lot of times we we encounter couples that are afraid to go there, oh, you know, yeah. because you know our, what we what we always say is that a committed partnership is the closest that you can be to another human being, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the highest potential. Um, but as we know, you know, Carl Jung talking about the shadow self is that yeah. people are afraid to show that side, you know, and especially to have a partner that's able to see that shadow self and still accept you, you know, is, is the biggest risk. That's right. So you have to make it safe to show up. <clears throat> safe to show up, take out the blame. Um, I always say, gosh, aren't you lucky that you've had an issue that's brought you here because now you get to grow. For me, the object is always to grow. And yeah. that may mean more together or away from. Okay, but it's all about growth. That's what we're here to do, learn and grow and love. Absolutely, right. Well, you know, we go through this world alone and, you know, we die alone and, you know, our our greatest potential is to have a partner that becomes a witness to our life. And, you know, the, the person that you are bonded to can heal you the most, but they can also hurt you the most. Oh, for sure. Well, that's where your vulnerability is. So what would you guys say is the the biggest challenges that you know couples run into, you know, and maybe something that of a challenge that you guys face together as a couple as well? I think it's boredom, flatlining, not growing. And I'm lucky I can get bored quickly, so I know straight away when there's an issue. So I'll I'll deal with it. And it's the same with couples. They're stuck and they don't know how to get out but they want to. And I think the greatest challenge is for those, there's usually one in a couple who who doesn't want to grow, who's too ready to blame the other. So we've got to work through that, and that can take a long time. We're not in a rush, you know. And tell them straight up, it'll take whatever time it takes. It might be six weeks, it might be six years. What are you willing to invest in your future? I think also there's a lot of people in relationships who are in it for what they can get. Yes. You know, what am I going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Instead of realising that it's it's what they give that makes the makes the difference. Um, 
I mean, mm. if one person's giving, 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 and the other's just taking, that's not going to work anyway. But if your attitude is, well, what can I give to improve this? What's my responsibility? How did I contribute to this mm. difficulty or this challenge or this mess or whatever it is? Then you're asking the right questions and then you can start facing on mm -hmm. your responsibility. What can you do to make it better? Not point the finger at the other person, you know. Mm. If only you did X, Y, Z, everything would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, of course, that's just not true anyway. It also makes one person who's doing that the victim of the other and they're disempowered. Yeah. So I said, look, do you want to be disempowered or empowered? It's your choice. If you want to be empowered, we can teach you. If you want to be disempowered and continue that, you can do that for free at home. And they usually pick the right answer. <laughs> it definitely creates an environment of competition. And, you know, we see that a lot with some of the younger generations now. You know, when they're starting to date, you know, they're looking for what can, what can you give me, you yes. know, and if that person ticks all the boxes and, you know, then I'm willing to now open up and, and be in a relationship with you where it just really doesn't work that way. Not for long. I mean, I think it Not does work that way. Yeah. Um, that's again where growth comes in, that you learn there's more to that. I mean, initially, you're going to be attracted by what you want from someone, you know, at a young age. Of course, I was, you know. He, he could cook, he could dance, yay. dreams <laughs> came true. I don't have to cook, I still don't. Except it, when we were in lockdown. It was a bit worrying. I went into the kitchen. Because <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get out of the house. <laughs> and we had a lot of lockdowns here, Mel. Yeah. The longest of any place in the world. In the world. Yeah. Which is the record. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just as well we like each other because, you know, <laughs> and a lot of couples don't. And, and in fact, lockdown was good. You know, we learned more talk, about Talk it. about boredom. Yeah, during lockdown, there's a lot of boredom there. You have to find ways to be creative and, you know, and find that excitement again. Yeah, well, I'm good at that because <laughs> I don't want to be bored. <laughs> you know, one thing that we see is um, people who have had ended marriages in a very um, traumatic type of way where, you know, things weren't handled mm. properly. I don't know about your legal system. But our legal system is terrible in helping couples divorce. And they take years and money and distrust and all sorts of things. Oh to the point where people are afraid to get into a committed relationship again. And those people don't understand that potential that we're talking about, that you guys know of what it's like. It's, it's the highest sacred space you can be in on this planet to be in a bonded, loving, safe, committed relationship with someone who cares about wanting the best for you as much as you care about wanting the best for them. And and they want to stay with their, I'm going to keep my stuff over here and you keep your stuff over there and we're going to pretend that we trust each other or that we care that much about each other. And we get that question a lot, like, why should I take that risk? Yeah, well, because, because it's the only way to get out of the mire and the mud that you're in. Mm -hmm. And maybe you take smaller steps, smaller risks. But, you know, if you're not risking, you're not going to change, you're not going to grow. That's why. Mm 
Yeah, nothing And you have to validate that it's difficult and all of that. Yes, it is. Um, but, you know, it takes courage. And the fact that you're here, guys, shows me that you have courage. So take that little step, you know, and then another step. So it's up to, it's our responsibility, I'm sure you know this, to create a safe space anyway. Mm-hmm. And within that space, it's amazing the risks that they do take, right? They often regress out of the room, but bit by bit they do their homework and they practice and they learn that risk-taking is exciting and scary. So don't take too big a step then. You generally get a second chance if the first one. And the payoff is usually immediate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It's worth risking, right, because you're here. So there's something you want to do with each other. So let's try this. And, you know, even a dialogue's a risk. It's new. They have to be in a certain way. So I'd say that. This is a risk. It's a risk to listen, right? It's a risk to share. You may well hear things you haven't heard before. Some of them you'll like, some of them you may not like, but they won't be dumping, they'll be sharing, and we train mm. how to do that so it's safe. Mm. But right. it's a risk even to come into therapy or counselling. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has to be because you don't know what you're going to Even if you've had counselling or therapy before, and a lot of people have, you don't know what's going to come up. And I like what you were saying earlier that one of the biggest obstacles is fear. Right, because most most often couples make those mistakes because of fear. Yeah. Fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. Yes. They're the two big ones. Yeah. That's understandable to be scared if you've experienced that. You know, but but you know, I'm also trained in neuro linguistic programming and I Mm -hmm. say to them, you know, the past doesn't equal the future unless you do it exactly the same way. You know, it's not rocket science, but Fear makes sense. It also means false evidence appearing real. (laughs) I won't won't tell you the other one. (laughs) Well, Stan and Francesca, where can people learn more about the two of you and the work that you're doing and get more information? Um, Well, we have a website, but also we've been published in Forbes magazine, a bunch of other magazines um, online yeah. online, and our website is relationshiprescueinstitute.com.au and we're on uh, Facebook and oh, yeah. and also uh, Instagram Isn't it so we always like to end with this question what is it that your partner does that you know they love you he cooks for me that's <laughs> <laughs> um, the way he looks at me That's the main one. He doesn't even have to say it. He's very romantic. When I run workshops, the guys hate hearing this, but I get breakfast in bed every morning. (laughs) I do, every morning. And he massages my feet at night, whatever time it is. But it's the way he looks at me. He does. And he sees my soul. I'm going to tear up right there. Yeah. Oh, I think for me it's the fact uh, that Fran touches me physically as well as emotionally because I was deprived of that as a child. Physical touch to me is 
so important. Mm. And if she just holds my hand, and we do, we do, we touch each other all day. People in the street stop us, literally. <laughs> Have you guys just got married? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. We get yeah, that we frequently. We're in shops or somewhere. Public displays of affection. And, <laughs> and, you know, we'll just kiss each other, just <laughs> like that, for no, no specific reason. <laughs> and people find it very strange that two older people do that. Why not? I don't see any reason why not. To me, it's just spontaneous and natural. But the way she look, touches me really makes me feel loved. I can get anything I want. I just have to you know, <laughs> go like that. Well, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. It was, it's, it's been really wonderful talking to you both. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting right, us. Right back at you. It's lovely to mm. meet you. Um, so, but we are going to put all the links uh, to your website and, and Facebook on yes. our show notes and everything once it's uh, and it comes out. Well, we want to thank all of you for joining us today on on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. You know, sharing stories is a way that human beings have been bonding and healing and growing since the beginning of time. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, which is coming up April 20th and 23rd, and also October 12th and 15th in beautiful Colorado, and our, our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple. Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.